Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love. Break them apart! To find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined tonight for this very special double feature. I'm super excited about this. Uh, by our new Twitter friend and tonight's co-host, Molly Henry. Hello. <laughs> Thanks All right, for Molly. Uh, man, I'm so excited. I've been uh, following you on Twitter for a while. I love the way your mind thinks about film. So I reached out and you were kind enough to come join me tonight for a double feature. So if you would be so kind, would you uh, care to introduce yourself, uh, what you do and what two movies we're doing tonight? Okay. Uh, I am a film critic and film writer. I um, have my own website, thebloggingbanshee.com, that has been around since 2015. And I also contribute to a few other websites. Um, most recently, I've started contributing to Fangoria's um, online original content. Amazing. Yes. Love it. <laughs> and the two movies that I picked are uh, two childhood favorites, Jim Henson's Labyrinth and The Dark Crystal. Yes, absolutely, bro. And I, I assume that I'm a lot older than you, but... Uh, <laughs> I, re I think everyone, like, in our kind of general age group, uh, these were seminal movies. Yes. What actually struck me as weird when I was rewatching them for this is I was like, oh, my God, I forgot. I was more of an Ewoks adventure kid. Oh, I remember those, that like, too, those really weird double Ewok movies that also had, like, some Henson, like, puppeteering. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I own those, those on DVD. <laughs> I know I had to find like I think it's like some weird like illegal place I got it like it came and it looked like someone had like poorly printed the labels but I'm like don't ask questions you have the Ewoks now True, yeah. so uh but I I think it's so funny to think back because I wonder now in the world where people have so many options like my kids have seen so much shit already yeah. right because like I'll wake up they'll do the thing now my five-year-old's old enough he'll sneak down before me and I'll come down and he's just watching something. You know, like my kid could already have binged you and I wouldn't know about it. Oh, right? wow. <laughs> you know, like he could, he just knows how to work apps and stuff, which I was like, oh my God, he's five. But they have seen so much. Like he's already seen all of the childhood classics that I liked, all the cartoons, all the movies. And there is this kind of deluge effect where none of them seem to stick with him very much. Oh, yeah. And so I wonder if we'll have movies like this anymore, because that's what I was struck by watching both of them is how insanely visually iconic they both are to me, despite having not spent time with them for a really long time. Yeah, that's a good point. They, I mean, because it's not just the fact that there's more content. It's so much more easily accessible now than it was yes. when we were growing up. We would have to buy or rent a VHS tape oh of it. God, yeah. It's a very different experience. Well, uh, you remember like going to the mall and then you're like, oh, this bookstore yeah. sometimes has like a box someone brought in. So like you'd have your like, it's payday. I'm 16, right? Gas was like 60 cents a gallon or whatever. <laughs> I'm not like 80. I'm in my 30s. But you would be like, all right, it's payday. You know, I got to spend $12 to fill up the car. And then I've got my money. And I would have my like places I had to hit to try to actually find stuff. Yeah. You know, tracking down animes or horror movies that were banned. You know, I used to hear about banned horror movies that you could find like British versions of. And so it was really hard, but like a movie like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, I might have only seen once as a kid because my mom would rent it at Videoland. Mm -hmm. And if she was nice enough, she would let us do it again. But my mom was one of those. She always felt like we were cheating if we wanted to re-rent. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'd be like, you already saw that. I'm not spending, you know, $5 on something you've already seen. I mean, at that and point, so you just have to buy it. Well, I know, right? <laughs> but if it was Disney, any Disney movie that came out, she was going to buy immediately, 
Mm -hmm. But something like Dark Crystal, she's like, I don't get it. And I'm like, oh, there's (laughs) like, you know. And like you try to explain it to her and she'd like look at the box and be like, yeah, these bird things that, you know. (laughs) So like there was a, I think think it's actually a testament to the flicks though, is that so many people like me probably saw those movies just a handful of times, right? Mm -hmm. And they still to this day have this enormous life and pop culture reach. I mean, Dark Crystal's, you know, gotten a new Netflix series. So I think I think that is a phenomenal testament because that's the other thing that immediately leaps out at you is you're just like, fuck, they just don't make movies like this. No, not at all. Yeah. And it's I think that's also even though this is more puppeteering and things like that, but there is something to things that are physically fabricated Oh my God, the yeah. practical effects side of things that it just stands the test of time so much better than uh, similar things that were made. Like you can watch different fantasy type films from the time that may have utilized CGI more so. And I mean, back then CGI was not great. <laughs> so yeah, right. you, you, those are the kind of things that you watch more to make fun of them now, as opposed to these, which are considered classics. Uh, well, like even imagine today, right? Like if labyrinth were made today, you oh, would not yeah. get the same effect of Jennifer Conley walking through the the halls of the they physically built giant halls mm-hmm. and then they physically painted backdrop. That's like the thing that really hit me in uh, especially Dark Crystal. I was like the fucking painted backdrops. Yeah. You know, it's just like this lush, beautiful world, you know, and even though I knew it was painted, it didn't bother me at all. It, it adds this. I'm with you. It just adds this magic to me, yeah. especially in two films when we're in these kind of fantastic worlds. So the first film we're going to talk about is Labyrinth. Yeah. And to your point, right, <laughs> about how much it matters physically. There is a scene that just struck me today, and I don't know why it's such a small moment, but when Ludo falls through the ground. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the sharpness of that moment. I was like, the fact that that is real. Mm-hmm. I, I'm getting goosebumps again thinking about it. I don't know why, but like even that one scene, I was like, I'm so fucking glad that was a guy in like a giant suit. Yeah, and you like floor. if I was a filmmaker, I would be terrified to do that because you spent sure. all the time and money building that suit. <laughs> if something happens to it, oh my god, yeah, it's gonna set back production for a while. Yeah, no, I, but it's just it's really hard to quantify this film without right because to me, I was I was struck today at Labyrinth as essentially this kind of more accessible to Americans version of Alice in Wonderland, right? Yeah, and I, can I think that. there's a lot of it, Alice in Wonderland is kind of one of those touchstones that I think has become somewhat bad, right? Where <laughs> people are like, oh, I'll show you the real Wonderland. You're like, well, no, the point of Wonderland is that it's wonders. Like we go in and it's kind of like our own thing for all of us. Yeah. But people are like, no, here's the real juice. Alice has a chainsaw and there's nuns. <laughs> and you're like, all right, man, if that's your Wonderland, that's cool. <laughs> but this one, I feel like this one while hyper-specific to what she's going through, right? Like, they obviously do a lot of touchstones, and here's her life before. You can see some of the artifacts around the room and this and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to her world, right? Like, it obviously translates really specifically. But I feel like, you know, even as, like, an old man, I'm watching it, and I totally relate. You know, like, yeah. I think everyone my age who has kids and has gone through, like, the horrors of not sleeping for months you're like, oh, yeah, I definitely would have called the Goblin King if that were an option. <laughs> like, I, I've been broken before. So I don't, I don't know. Do you still find yourself uh, completely drawn into the journey, even after having watched it as much as you do? Yeah. And it's, I mean, to be perfectly honest, this is my favorite film of all time. Like, awesome. <laughs> it, 
I, I mean, I owned it on VHS as a kid, so I have seen it so many times that as I'm watching, I can recite every line. Oh, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> I watch it at least once a year, even as adult, as an adult, if not more than that. <laughs> like, I've already watched it w- once this year, and I'm sure I will before the year is over. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I just... I don't know if it's the practicality of it or if it's, I don't know. It's the journey that she takes is so relatable. Even now, like I don't have kids. I have mm-hmm. nephews, but I, I was a teenager. I've been around young people and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, I also have four pets, which is not the same <laughs> as having a child, but especially right. <laughs> since I'm stuck in my house all day, every day, yeah. I want to murder at least oh one God. animal at all times. So, <laughs> I, the I emotional vampirism that's happening in our world right now. Because that's what I say. It's like, man, I, it's like, I just want to do anything, right? And the next thing you know, it's like, I need this, I need that. You're like, ah. <laughs> like, I, I totally get it, right? Like, our quarantine life to me feels like the helping hands well. Yes. Right? Like, that's what I feel like all the time. I'm just unwashed and people are grabbing on me. You're like, oh, God. That's and it's, <laughs> it's when some When someone or something is so latched on you and is reliant on you, yeah. Sometimes you just want to wish for that freedom. So I definitely even now can relate to Sarah. I almost forgot her name for a second. <laughs> I 100% do not remember anyone's name except for Luda. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, Everyone I probably knows, would I forget all, all the names. So that is totally like, okay. <laughs> for sure. I, I think what is really cool about this one too is I was really struck by it because it reminded me of a like the movie from this era that I used to watch a lot was Legend, right? Oh, yeah. And Legend is the same thing. Just these lush, beautiful. Like, I always think people always give me shit for it. Like, what's the most beautiful film you've ever seen? I was like, Legend. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, I just love it. Like, I don't know why. Like, in my heart, like, you know, that's just the most magical looking world to me. Mm -hmm. I've always loved it. Even the bad stuff is pretty in that movie, right? Like, that struck me at a young age, like seeing her like put in the dress right and you're like oh my god like yeah this is scary but very opulent i dig it right <laughs> and so i was struck by this one too what really hit me today is how much really good setup they do in the movie in the very brief time before we see the first like goblins in the walls shot mm-hmm. i think it's so i think it's one of the things that we don't do exceptionally well in a lot of movies today is it takes us a really long time to set up what are pretty universal human moments, right? Yeah. And this movie just is very pinpoint accurate in what they tell us, you know? And I think that helps its longevity. I don't know. I don't know your thoughts on the setup. Yeah. No, I mean, because it's, I mean, is it maybe like 15 minutes before she's thrust into this world, if that? And in that time, we're established with her like awesome monologue that she has a few times in there right? Um, from the play called Labyrinth. Running out LARPing in the park with Alice. Yeah. <laughs> we, we established that she has a strained relationship with her father and her stepmother and the, her half brother, I guess it would be. Um, and we're, we established that she kind of, even though she's a teenager, she clearly lives in the sort of fantasy world that she probably should have grown out of by then. But because of the relationships that she has, she's stuck in that, which is why she's able to go into this fantasy world of the Goblin King. Oh, for sure. Well, I think it's one we talked about this uh, on a different pot. I think it's misery. We talked about this, right? Whereas like misery is becoming more and more 
uh, poignant in our age, right? Because mm-hmm. we're we're being fanboys longer and longer now, and fan women, right? I don't know what the <laughs> term is for that fangirl. But we're like, that's why I was like, I'm going to be like 90 years old, still collecting comic books and shit. And you're like, that was the kind of person that just didn't exist before our generation, I feel yeah. like, right? Like, we're so oversaturated and we so define ourselves by these worlds that I was like, yeah, Sarah, I totally get it. I'm like, don't throw your shit away, right? Yeah. Like, like, there's the amazing scene that, like, just cold cocked me today was when she's in the trash dump, right? And the lady's like, come over here. And she's like, you need this and you need – and the visuals of her piling the things in her life, you know, on her back as if they are burdens and not her comforts against the world. I was like, holy shit. Like, that made me uncomfortable. I was like, that's my whole life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm sitting in an office right now that is filled with horror shit. Oh, my like, God, yeah. posters <laughs> and memorabilia and stuff. So it's – I I would have a lot of shit to carry. If I right. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, we can all imagine where the Hobbit lost – or the, you know, the hobos lost in the maze and, yeah. you know, we want to escape to fantasy. And I, I think – because it, it was – Hard. it was weird to watch for a minute because when the movie starts i was like man sarah sucks yeah like, i was really pissed at her yeah. i think like my dad came out and i was like how dare you but she's like i'm essentially a slave you know what i mean and she does her like monologue to the baby who's just like hey man can i have like some milk or can someone hold me yeah and she's like i'm tired from a long day of housework and of being a slave i was like man sarah like that is white girl problems as i've yeah. read on twitter like 101 She's a bit but, of a drama queen. Yeah, for sure. But <laughs> but you understand, right? Because that's her that's her fix. That's mm-hmm. how she deals with, you know, because those of us who have, you know, broken families and rebuilt families, like there's a lot of weird shit that happens. Yeah. And that they, they seem pretty cool. But it's the other thing I think that is harder for us as we age out is to remember what it was like to be a teenager. Yes. And like everything is that big of a deal. Yeah. You know I mean? Everything is the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, I'd want to be doing anything. Why am I watching your mistake, right? This little kid, like, why are you going out and having <laughs> fun? And you brought this, like, blight on our house. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like, me and my stepbrother have an amazing relationship, right? But, like, I get the, you know, oh, this kid is coming and taking everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's yeah. got nothing. Her dad is occupying this. Like, I, un- it's the, it's, and, but that's what I mean. It's a really brilliant ability the script does to turn that fast is, like, who is this little punk teenager? Yeah. To also be like, I get it, you know, and she latches onto the journey pretty fast. Something I wanted to ask you about your opinion on this is I read, I read a lot of stuff about this movie, right? That talks about the dreamlike nature, mm-hmm. right? And I have my own theory on if this is really taking place or if this is just kind of a dream fantasy or whatever. Do you think that if this is all kind of a fantasy where she's having her, you know, growth moments, yeah. Did that somehow negates the journey? I, I don't know if negates is the right word, but yeah. it kind of takes the piss out of her, like, learning to be a better person. <laughs> I don't think necessarily it would take away from the journey, because I think no matter what, we she has a moment of growth and realization, whether it's yeah. in her head or it really happens. Yeah. Um, because especially when she reaches the end, she acknowledges that she has to move past a lot of these childish fantasies that she has. Right. Um, but with the whole thing about how all of them reappear and are like, should you need us? It's like, yes, right. sometimes I do oh. need you in my life to get, that, I know. <laughs> I love oh, that fuck, moment. There is a true. scene I mean, and I actually wept in front of my kids and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> but when Ludo just, oh, see, I'm going to do it again. 
When he says goodbye, Sarah, I don't know yeah. why. Like I've come to realize my old age, like I'm a huge fan of the like large hairy sidekick character, right? So it's like the Hagrids <laughs> and Chewbacca's and Ludos. Yeah. But when he says goodbye, Sarah, at the end of the movie, I was like, fuck. Yeah. And like I was so thankful when the party broke out because I was like, dude, I'm not gonna make it. Yeah. And it's, and it's I think that's something that kind of connects to people like us who do have all like our collections of shit that oh, might man. seem childish and stuff. But it's like my I have my stuff limited to this office. It does not I have the office. same. My wife's like, you are contained. Like yeah. my, my hobbies like, are quarantined. <laughs> I actually, ironically, I have a huge labyrinth poster, but that's actually out in the hallway because it's huge and I ran out of space. Yeah. But the oh, rest, you know, the trick is when you have kids, you're like, oh no, that's the kids' home. Exactly. Poster. Yeah. Because that's, it's a kid's thing. The rest of the stuff I have in the store, so it can be separate. Dude, yeah. But, She's like, you bought a $30 action figure for our two year old? I'm like, he's going to yeah. want it. <laughs> like yeah, no, I, I think. But I think, I think what like, you said though is really important though, right? It's like any growth; it doesn't matter if it happens in like a dream yeah. state or what. The moment to me that I think, because I read a lot of people like, oh, you know, and I, I, I am also guilty of this. I don't like movies that say the journey you just went on is false in some way, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's what Labyrinth is. You know no. what I mean? Because it, it's dream, but the stakes and the consequences in the real world are serious. The thing that I noticed that I think justifies the way this movie is laid out is that scene when she walks out right and toby goes silent mm -hmm. and when she walks into that room that is fucking terrifying scene like that is really that's the other thing you realize in these movies too is like kids movies used to be hardcore yeah they were like, way darker <laughs> that is fucking terrifying right like as a parent i immediately you know you get the chills but i was like even as like, oh, fuck, I was supposed to babysit. And how much trouble am I going to get in when this kid's gone? Yeah, but, like it, this kid was literally just bawling its eyes out. It should not be silent right now. <laughs> yeah, no, the I scariest thing is when you hear dogs know, and kids not, not making sense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I think that's a really important springboard moment mm -hmm. into the fantasy world, right? Yeah. And I think it's it's start the journey starts out for her for selfish reasons. Like mm -hmm. she's like, oh, shit, I fucked up. I got to fix this. Right. Or else it's going to be my ass. And it's that's why I think that it doesn't matter if it's a dream or anything, because yeah. she's still. She kind of acknowledges the things that she needs to improve upon herself throughout this journey. And that's something that a lot of people do in their head anyways. Like you right. just one day realize, wow, I why am I still doing this? Like people who <laughs> are alcoholics and suddenly realize, wow, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Yeah. I need to quit this. Something's and wrong get, and I need to make it. I would yeah. argue that that exclusively happens in people's quiet alone time. right? Yeah, exactly. Because I know from my own, I'm, I'm kind of the diva of my relationship and this and that. <laughs> and it's like when I feel like I'm wrong in front of someone, it's like, oh, I'm going to prove I'm right. Oh, and then you go away and you're like, fuck, like I was wrong. You know what I mean? you're like, <laughs> they got me. And then you're in the shower and you're like, I should have said this. I should. And you're like, yeah. no, I'm still wrong. You know what I mean? It's like I would argue that. Labyrinth might be the most honest portrayal of how people actually you're like you're not going to change on the dime when your your stepmom's like getting in your face. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, oh, this bitch. Stepmom. Like, yeah, right? like, oh, this bitch. I'm going to yeah. go down. I'm going to fight I this one. I've Disney movies to know to not listen to you, bitch. Yeah, right. I know you're waiting to lock me in the tower. I know. I get it. <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I think that part is cool, right? Like the movie, an example of a movie, because people always are like, you never give the examples. The example is something like when my, my wife made me go see all the Twilight movies in the theater. 
And I don't know why. She didn't like them either. She loved the books, didn't like the movies. Yeah. But there's that final movie that they had to make into two parts. I don't remember anything that happened except for they had this huge battle. People are getting eaten and murdered and stabbed. Yep. And then all of a sudden it goes, and it cuts back. And she's like, oh, that was just my vision of the battle. If we fight, we'll lose. Let's run away. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, you just brought back all the dead. So nothing that happened actually mattered or yeah. had a consequence, right? Labyrinth is not that. Yeah. You do get the Pull feeling that by the it. end of the movie, she is changed mm -hmm. and is beginning another phase of her life. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like, I love the fantasy, but it has to have those real stakes. And I think I think Labyrinth does an amazing job of that. Yeah. And I mean, in my head, I like to pretend that it's all real. But yeah, I'm the same way because there are two scenes. I was like, this is fucking really happening. Mm -hmm. And it's when Hoggle's alone. Uh, by the campfire, and he's like, what did I do? Oh, yeah. You know, because after he sold her out with the peach, right, he gave her the fucking drug. Yeah. You know, he, like, mickeyed her, essentially. That's, like, an old person thing to say. I don't know if that's the <laughs> thing. But anyway, that's what it was when I was a kid. Like, don't get mickeyed right before I went to a park. But they were like, uh, you know, he did that. And he yeah. goes, you know, damn Jareth and damn me, too. Yeah. And he walks out, and there's this really cool scene where he's kind of sitting by a campfire, like, loathing. Mm -hmm. And he lost this one person who was decent to him. And if you imagine, I was like, what is the, how do you look at that from her point of view? Exactly. That, you know what I that mean? That wouldn't be something that would probably even register with her, especially in what? that moment since she just got drugged. Like, oh, she, yeah, for sure. And then that's, that's his own on. inward reflection, right? Like he's yeah. looking in on himself, whereas if it was her point of view, it would be about her, right? Yeah. This was about Hoggle's own depression with his act and always being a coward. And then the other one is you're like, Jareth in the castle with the kid? Yeah. Like, that really struck me as that's not her point of view, is it, right? Like, I do I know because someone I, – I know the argument is, like, the, the castle is, like, the wild things, right? The book that was on her dresser. But oh. I was like, this kid is in a wildly unsafe environment. And by the end of it, when they're just throwing him about, he's just like, <laughs> yeah. like, the baby's <laughs> loving it. And yeah. I was like, I don't know if that's her point of view, right? She would probably still be like – the kid is scared, right? Yeah. The kid is crying and scared. She would, in her mind, she needs to save it. So why would she be picturing it happy and dancing around? Having with fun. Yeah, and by the end of the movie, David Boy's like, oh, this is a good chap. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah. going to hang out with this thing when it's a goblin. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think at one point he even says, like, I think I'll name you Jareth. You have my yeah. eyes. <laughs> Jareth Jr. Yeah. yeah, that's fucking crazy. That gets to your theory you were telling me about that, uh, David Bowie's character is built upon the guy that his mom had a, a love affair with. Yeah, it's, I guess, in the novelization, which I have never read, but they right. in they talk a bit more about her mom because you see, like, pictures around her mirror pictures and Pictures and playbills and papers, yeah. Yeah, and I, her mom was a stage performer who fell in love with one of her co-stars who, in one of the pictures you see, it's Jareth. Um, probably not his real name, but <laughs> um, at least I hope not. Um, He's probably one of those guys who gave himself a name like Jared. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just Jared, like yeah, Madonna. There's no last name. I'm yeah. working on a symbol. <laughs> and so that's who her mom ran off with. So in her mind, right. like, I'm sure in her mind, if if this if my mom cared about this person enough to leave me, then that's mm -hmm. probably the epitome of the perfect man. Uh, yeah. Because otherwise she would still be around. Yeah. There, it's – and I was telling you before we started, I was like, I read this movie a lot more innocently, I think, because it's rooted to my childhood. 
than a lot of the stuff I was reading online. There's a lot of theories about how predatory Jareth is in this movie. And I always read him, and this could just be me as like, you know, a guy. I always read him as he is her idealized version of a man, right? And she's kind of, she's wishing she was a part of these romance stories and on this fairy tale journey. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, she's just projecting herself into this fantasy, right? But I read everything online that, like, she was an abuse victim and all these crazy subtexts, right? Which, I mean, there's definitely some questionable moments. Yeah. Uh, where sure. where do you stand on Jareth? Uh, how has Jareth aged over these years for you? I mean, I think it's definitely creepy that an adult man is trying to woo this, like, what is she, like, 15 or 16 or something? Right, uh, right. Stealing babies. Yeah, He's not a great stealing guy. baby to kind of be like, <laughs> look at all these nice things I've done for you. I've stolen children and stuff. True. Which is- he does sleight of hand. That's never a good. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, a red flag. Kids say these day weird flex. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> and, but oh it's, man. So it's. I mean, that aspect is creepy. But I think. I think the fact that if this is the person that she connects to her mom, I think that makes more sense and makes it less creepy like this is just her picturing what it would be like to have someone totally in love with you willing to do anything for you and um and the person that she thinks is perfect and what she wants but then obviously and she realized that's not at all what she wants (laughs) yeah it's strange because that that's kind of how i read it too right not it not as vile as the other things right because I think the ending, you really get that a lot with Jareth, right? There's this really great moment in the amazing stare scene, right? Like, Yes. And let's just blanket statement, like, every set in this film is just fucking stunning, right? If that was, like, its own amusement park, you just walk around the labyrinth sets. Like, I would do that for days, right? Yeah. And that that stare scene is just beautifully laid out, and the music in this movie is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. So I understand all that, right? (laughs) But there's this moment where Jareth is kind of singing to her, right? And it's almost this siren song, like, he wants her to see the baby but still choose him, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this moment, I can't remember what the line is exactly. I believe, to paraphrase, it's, um, I can't live within you. Yes, And there's this small, right. like, little emotional catch that Bowie plays, mm-hmm. right? For a kind of like a cartoonish, melodramatic character at times. That little catch resonated a lot with me that, because that's the weird thing about the character, too, is that it's just this guy who lives in a castle with all these minions. He makes them laugh at his jokes and dance to his songs and shit. But in this moment, he finally sees something, you know, that he can't have or he can't be a part of. Mm-hmm. And that registered to me is that was her, the death of her illusion, right? That there, Because at the end, his lines he's saying is, you know, just... Just listen to me and do whatever I say and be my slave and I'll make your life better. You're like, what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because, yeah, he says all these things like, um, let me rule you and I will be a slave. And that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's what I mean, though. For a a young teenage mind, Mm -hmm. they imagine that like a love affair, right, is this all consuming, you know, like the fire gang, right? That's what love is supposed to be when we're teenagers is that we'll meet the person that makes every fucking day I wake up to songs and when I remove the sheets, butterflies come out and there's sunshine <laughs> and music and we'll dance and, you know, do all the cool, sexy stuff all the time. Like, you know, as a young teenager, you're like, yeah, of course that's what love is. And we look at our parents as like, oh, you just didn't know how to do it right. Like, I yeah, will find exactly. that. And so that's that's kind of how I read. But that little catch when he's singing the song, 
I thought that was such a beautiful acting choice he made in that mm -hmm. moment. Yeah, and it's, I also love in that the final moments, like when the stairs kind of fall apart, and as, mm -hmm. like you said, the, the illusion is kind of breaking down, um, she comes back to that monologue from her book, and just the one line that she can never remember when she finally says, you have no power over me. Oh, yeah. I I love that line. I, Money. And I feel like that not only is directed at him and saying like, not only do, do you, this person not have power over me, but the illusion doesn't have power over her anymore. She it's, I almost feel like she's kind of saying it to herself a little bit as well, because yeah. she's the one who's created this fantasy in her head of how things should be. And she's kind of like, no, screw this. That's, I realize now that that's not right. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a weird, it's one of those multi-layered yeah. thing where it can be interpreted a lot of different ways and it can mean so many different things in that one yeah. moment. And Toby's not there anymore, right? Yeah. This is literally just her and this goblin king, right? Mm -hmm. The invention of this world that she's been relishing, right? Like we saw her run into the park and just be talking to random wildlife. Yeah. <laughs> she so desperately wants to be in this world. And at the end, she's just shattering it, right? And even the child, Right. Whether you believe he was taken or this was a fantasy, mm -hmm. he's gone now. So this is just her with the remnants of this fantasy. Yeah. I, this movie is indescribably beautiful at times to me. Yeah. And that's the thing I, I that's what I think is missing a lot in some of the kids movies. Because, again, I see every fucking kids movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I see most of them a lot. Right. Like, there's this one that uh, just came out. It's called The Main Event. Right. It's a WWE wrestling movie. Oh, okay. my kids are really into that now. It's about a kid who puts on a smelly luchador mask and he gets superpowers and he fights. And like two of my son's favorite wrestlers are in the movie and he's watched it six times because one of the wrestler uses uh, flatulence as an attack. Okay. And he loves it. And I was like, I get it. Like, I also, you know, think that stuff's still funny. Like, you know, you never quite grow out of some of these things. right? Yeah. Like, I get it. But I was like a lot of kids movie, like even Pixar movies. Right. At this point, they're so built into this formula of amazing storytelling that sometimes there's just a, sometimes those little loose jagged parts, you know, <laughs> add an extra depth, you know, and beauty to these movies. And that's what I really labyrinth to me struck stuck out today. And this was like the first time I remember like even Muppet show and stuff like that. I watched, but it, it felt different, right? Yeah. This was sure. the first one where I think Sarah becomes this perfect avatar for us, the audience to walk around these amazing jim henson creations mm -hmm. yeah I, I think that uh, i don't know i mean just watching i was just like you know <laughs> i'm just laying there eating like more quarantine snacks like wash over me <laughs> bathe me in your sets <laughs> and it's i feel like even though this one does have very dark moments and very serious yeah. elements to it i think Absolutely. the fact that it has really catchy songs in it too helps it a lot it but makes scary it a little songs, bit more right? digestible compared to <laughs> yeah. some of the other. Like, yeah, for sure. Legend is, I mean, technically it's a kid's film, but it's that is some dark shit. <laughs> yeah, like they're stabbing each other with horns and unicorns yeah. are getting murdered. And, and that one that one feels very rapey to me as it's oh, gone sure. on, right? 100%. Like the dress looks like it's assaulting her on its own. Yeah. It actually might do that. I, I don't remember well enough off the top of my head. But like that movie... I don't know, maybe maybe Labyrinth is like that too, right? The the infamous moment is everyone points to the peach as a date rape drug. Yeah. And then the the fantasy like eyes wide shut ball. 
And I was like, don't get me wrong. That is one of the scariest moments in a kid's movie I've ever seen. Like, just these, like, disgusting, gluttonous, you know, kind of, like, Victorian-era people watching you behind the mat. And, like, when her and Jareth are dancing, because he seems not predatory compared to them. Yeah. And as they dance, you see the eyes, like, laughing and the teeth. And it's, Mm -hmm. like, almost these disgusting, like, Terry Gilliam angles. Yeah, it's... That scene is really... It's hard to watch. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. What do you make of the crystal ball? I mean... It almost feels... I mean, it's obvious... uh, Wow. Words are hard. Um, I feel (laughs) you. It's obviously another layer to her fantasy that she kind of goes deeper into. Um, And this is another one where it's like... this what what's happening has to be real. Cause how does this work in her head? You know right. what I mean? Like, right. why would you drug yourself to go into another fantasy? <laughs> <All right. laughs> now we're doing the inception. <laughs> uh, yeah. <there> we go. <laughs> She's accepting herself into a assault. <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't know. It's, it's like, he, he almost seems more, I don't know how to explain it because it seems like he's more the anchor in that. Like he's right. He's the lighthouse. Yeah. You know but at mean? the same time, it's clear that he wants her to look at this world and see it oh, as a place good. to stay. He that's wants good. her I didn't think of to it be way. there because then so she'll you forget. think Jareth is showing her he's he's using them as a distinction to himself. Possibly. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. that's what I, that's what I thought. You just watch it. It reminded me of like the platform when I was watching that the other day. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you're just like repulsed by like some of the things you see. That's how I felt with these. They just felt very, like, slovenly. It's almost like one of those scenes. I love scenes where I feel like I can smell the room. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? That scene has a lot of that where you're like, oh, like, I feel like I know this room. Yeah, yeah. And it is gross. And it's, yeah, I mean, it could be, I can definitely see that as him saying, like, I'm better than everything around me. But part of me also wonders, too, if he thinks that this is what she wants. Like, because she's the beautiful, like, she's the beautiful one there. Like, she's, like, the most polite, it seems. She never is in a mask either, right? Yeah. Even Jared starts in a mask. Yeah. And so, and then when the two of them kind of together and dance, it's like, they're the bells of the ball kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And it's, I think that her personality, she seems like, especially with what we saw of her before, she likes to be the center of attention yeah and absolutely. so that environment i part of me thinks that he took her there to try to make her realize that this is what she wants and right. that she can forget about the baby yeah well this is also at that weird turning point i like the way you're phrasing this right because it reminds you i think a lot of being a teenager right is very much like you re- hear about in animal documentaries right like make yourself look big and scary and just pray that they don't see through that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I remember that as a teenager. Like, I had to know everything and be the coolest and the, you know, hottest. And the most girls like me. And uh, <laughs> you're trying everything. But on the inside, you go home at night and almost cry yourself to sleep. You're like, I'm a fraud. <laughs> right? And so this is kind of the point of the movie she's at is she is barreling towards the realization that this fantasy must crumble mm-hmm. so that she can be a better sister and a person and a kid. But also, that's kind of the weird thing as a teenager, too, is you're starting to, like, butt up against adult concepts mm-hmm. and how fucking scary that can feel to you. And that that's what I think is – that's why I don't read into this as, you know, because, again, I think 
this is kind of a real place. So when we're with her, I feel like it's her point of view. Yeah. Especially that fantasy, you know, maybe saying that I think she was actually transported makes the date rape more likely. But to me, I think she might, even if she's put in the trance, she is still the one driving the dream. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think maybe this is the moment where as she's getting closer to that castle, she starts being like, is this really? Because that's the other thing in the, when she takes a bite, she's supposed to forget as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Which, so and I like, think for, at first she does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think if she, if this wasn't her in control, at least to a certain extent, she wouldn't <laughs> have been able to shatter it. True. You know, if also this, true. Yeah. If this was entirely Jareth's construct and he was the one in control, then she wouldn't have been able to shatter and have everything go topsy turvy in this. And then we do see her like fall down through the air and land in the dump. Which right. leads me to believe that she was physically in that place. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those things like we've <laughs> seen so many movies and everyone's making content all the time. We're like, this is going to be like the slicing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> thought provoking. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not what they were aiming for. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't find I anything mean, where the screenwriters like, you guys got movie. me. I would hope that's not what they were aiming for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, there there is a. It, it struck me because I, I was talking about this with someone else. We were playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons, right? <laughs> and he's like, oh, cool. I got a wish. Like, that's going to be great. And I'm like, have you ever heard a story where the person getting a wish is good for them? Like, that does not exist, True. right? Every movie is saying, don't wish for things. Like, go earn them because if you wish for them, bad shit happens. And that's kind of, that's how I look at Jareth in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Is he is the wish that runs amok. Yeah, because right? he's yeah, constantly I that. and yeah, and in his maze, right? That's what it does. It's constantly lying to her. It's changing the rules, so he becomes this kind of you know perfect boogeyman for a teenager who feels put upon by the world all the time. Yeah. Were there any uh, any sets or characters that you love the most in this movie? Oh man, it's um, really hard to choose because it's such. a I mean, film. I love them all so much. Yeah. Um, I've, I mean, I've. I've always been a big fan of Sir Didymus. Yes. Um, just <laughs> I was going to ask so you, is that ridiculous. supposed to be her dog that he rides? Yes. I Yeah, because it looks like her dog from the beginning. Right, that's what I thought But too. different names, because I think her dog's name is Ambrosia. Merlin, and that dog is Ambrosius. It is Merlin, because I was like, yeah. damn, how have I not thought about naming a dog Merlin? <laughs> <laughs> I had that exact thought. Yeah, yeah I was it, like, that looks, because that was the weird thing I was trying to place for a moment, too, is I was like, is this like an Alice in Wonderland thing? Where if I had paid attention enough, I would understand what part of her personality these three characters are supposed to be. Right? Yeah. Because that it's, it's the weird movie. I can't place what Hoggle's supposed to be. Right? Like, I mean, I was like, is cynicism. she super cowardly when the movie starts? Like, yeah, he's just like her bad side. Yeah. I don't and then know. There's like two heroic loyal characters, so she really thinks that like she's double good. Yeah. But then what would Ludo be? Because he's just kind of like this big oh yeah he's my favorite man i love (laughs) when he's just sitting in the like swamp and he doesn't just like barrel across the bridge yeah but sir didymus is able to actually stop him right and he's just like (laughs) you know smells and he's just sitting there like not being a giant monster i was like yeah that's absolutely why he's my favorite (laughs) like that scene you're just like i want to hug him i want to have one yeah i want to be partners with him (laughs) and that scene is why i love sir didymus too because he's 
such a proud creature. And he's like, I have a perfect sense of smell. And it's like, no, there's a reason they put you in the bog of eternal stench, honey. <laughs> it's because you can't smell anything. Oh, for sure. And yeah, then, I... of course, like when he has the nervous dog and obviously I mean, this is a kid's movie. It has to have fart jokes, which is basically the bog is a bunch of buttholes. Again, by the way, the Griffey boys perked right up <laughs> yeah. uh, when the fart stepping stones happen. They're like, this movie's great. <laughs> but I love that, like, the fart noises are different when Ludo walks across <laughs> versus when Sir Didymus rides through with Ambrosius. Because, like, it's like slow, ponderous farts when the big guy walks by. But then I love when the dog carrying yeah. Sir See, Didymus if, if runs that was... and it's like nervous farts. It's like. Yeah, right. If that was a 16-year-old girl, would she have put that much thought into the fart sound effects of her own swamp? No way. No, this has to be a real place. <laughs> I mean, I feel like most teenage girls would not have had a bog of eternal stench to begin with, Probably let not. alone thought about what it would sound like in there. That's true. Yeah, that, that feels very much like a boy that had to go through like PE class. Right? <laughs> like we would have that for sure. Uh, I think my favorite my favorite gag in the movie still is the the helping hands. Oh, I, yeah. I love that part. And it's so weird because with all the intricate sets they built and all the characters and puppeteering in this, the way the hands form so many different faces and mm -hmm. speak. Oh, my God. Okay. I I can't get enough of Like that and the, the old lady burying her in her possessions. Yeah. Definitely peak favorites for me. Uh I I'll ask you another question. Okay. Do you think she actually solved the riddle? Um, I, I, because I she think, does make it to the castle. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like no matter which way she had gone, she it would have fallen. I kind of right. feel like there was she. I think she solved the riddle because the way she explains it makes sense. But I think that no matter which way she had gone, there was no way to the castle. I think both of them would have dropped into the helping hands. That makes sense. Yeah, because I, I tried to look it up, and some guy wrote this article. <laughs> and as soon as I started reading it, like, my eyes were crossing. I was like, wait, what? And he's like, first establish a baseline. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I just wanted to know, like, what the answer is. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, his was way more in-depth. Because when she just says, like, oh, because you said this, he's, I'm like, where's your baseline? Yeah. Like the guy in the article said, get a baseline. You don't have a baseline. <laughs> at least, I mean, I, from what I remember, her logic at least like made sense where yeah. if this person is lying, then obviously this is the answer. But if this person's also lying, then it's still the answer. It, it makes, it seems like a rational thought process. Yeah. Like but that's I, a better job than I would have done at that age. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but I, I think that the, the labyrinth was designed to make her not reach the center. Yeah. Like even the sweet little worm that like thought he was being helpful. And he was like, Oh, she'd kept on going down that way. She had gone straight to that castle. Like right. he, he thought that, he was being that's helpful. beautifully poignant though. Cause that's what every time she has that kind of interaction, it's, this is something you're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was her thing is like, she keeps making assumptions. Yeah. Like, why would you just trust a labyrinth worm? Yeah. <laughs> he seems like a really nice guy. And he thought he was being nice. I mean, he must yeah. think that Jareth is a dick. Yeah. <laughs> she also ran off without letting him finish his thought. True. True. So that's on her. That's her impetuous nature. She should have come in for some tea. Yeah, I don't right? know how that would have worked. But... I would love to have seen the set they designed for that. Yeah, like, kind of, like hunched over with the two little worms. <laughs> Tiny <Right>. tea. <laughs> 
See, I would do that though. If that, why is this like we have Harry Potter world and every other character world? Like, why don't we have Labyrinth world? We should. What I know, we should have like a whole. There should be a Jim Henson Park. You know, it's funny. I used to live like three blocks away from his studio. Really, and it's just kind of wedged in by this terrible strip mall. Right across the street from it is this massive strip club, oh. and like a gas station. And I remember walking past it and just seeing Kermit out front and like the gates, right? To me, I was like, oh, this is Willy Wonka-like. But then you look around and you're like, huh. <laughs> and it really sits in on you. It's like the amount of magic that that guy helped bring into the world and his team, right? Obviously, a lot of people had a hand in that. But I was just like, look at this like shittiest corner in Los Angeles. It's like right off of Sunset and La Brea, right? There's like a Burger King and a strip club. <laughs> there was an internet cafe when I started, when those were still a thing where you had to go to a place to use the internet. And right next door is just where they made Labyrinth. So crazy. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think that's the thing that really sat with me this time is just like just being able to walk around with Sarah in mm-hmm. those worlds. I can't imagine a, a universe where movies are get made like this anymore. Yeah. Like, even because I try to think of, like, films. We kind of talked about this, like, films that are beautifully made and stuff. And one a recent one that I look at it, and it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen, is Annihilation. Oh, God, but yeah. none Absolutely. of it is practical. It's all done with computers and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But who knows 20 years from now what that's going to look like to us. We might watch yeah. it 20 years from now and be like, oh, man, that does not it didn't age well because effects are so amazing you know well i but, still don't know what that fucking bear was like <laughs> to this day i've read all the books and seen the movie a bunch of times I'm like, i don't know what that what's going on with that bear <laughs> like, I, no I think it was like bear yeah. human morph wasn't it yeah, but he it's had like, like a skeleton skull? shield face yeah like the face was like i don't understand <laughs> and it, it kind of talked like a lady but i think see that's how really good filmmakers always find a way right Mm-hmm. So in that movie, you have the protective shield of she is explaining something that is incomprehensible to us. Mm-hmm. So we, the audience, are watching, you know, essentially Benedict Wong. Is that who plays him? Benedict Wong is the guy who's doing the deposition. Yes. So you can imagine as the audience, we are him hearing this from the outside, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've never been inside the shimmer. You have no context to what does a person who's turned into fungus in a pool look like? <laughs> So that can be, and I think that's what's beautiful about films that add in that sci-fi fantasy, right? So Labyrinth has the same thing. When they take us to the land, right, we're seeing everything from her perspective. Mm-hmm. And even if that's a real land, Jareth built this somewhat for her. Yeah. So any little flaws or things you see, right, that don't look as cool as, you know, you wish they did nowadays, her point of view gives us a shield against that, right? Because yeah. it's. That's how she wanted to see it at the time. So you don't have to be as judgy. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and that's, I think that's why it was important for them to show her room before they showed her going to the labyrinth because a lot of the characters and elements of the labyrinth can be seen in her room. Even Jareth, there's a statue of Jareth and a yeah. picture of David Bowie, but right. there's a statue of him. <laughs> And she has the, um, I can never remember the name of the picture or the artist who did it, but she has the famous painting of the stairs going every which way. Yeah, the only guy I remember, and I don't know if this is his, but I know M.C. Escher was the guy who did like a lot of weird, you know, visual tricks. Because I remember when I was a kid, they used to do like the book fairs. Oh, yeah. 
it, like they would roll stuff in. I remember the first time I saw MC Escher, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why that was just something they were like rolling out to us in third grade, but you're like, this is amazing. Yeah. And I don't know that that's his. So I don't want to like faultly give him credit for it. I should have looked that beforehand of. because like you, it's clearly on a poster on her wall. Yeah. She probably got it from the book fair. The Where the Wild Things Are is definitely the Dance the Magic Dance. And yeah, the, sure. the Fire Gang, the Fire Chill Gang. Uh, fire fire Gang? I think fire so. Gang, Fire Chill Song, yeah. Which, by the way, I was oh, like. Oh, Chilly Down is, is the name of the song. Chilly Down, yeah. I was like, this song is still fire. <laughs> like, so me and my kids were. A lot of people hate that song. That's so, I was watching. I was like, oh, man, because this is. It had this vibe of like Puff the Magic. I'm like, oh, it's like the be careful of drugs, teenagers. <laughs> right? Like, it'll take a part of you if you get addicted yeah. to drugs. So I was like, she's confronting a lot of shit. I listen to that song today, and I shit you not, the two scenes in this movie I absolutely did not remember at all was the Chili Down gang, and I did not remember her getting sucked into the crystal ball. Oh, yeah. Like, her and Bowie with the Victorians, like, that seems like a pretty enormous scene. I. When that happened, I was like, did I get, like, a bonus cut? Or like, <laughs> I, I was so confused. I was like, I don't remember this at all. Well, but I heard that that chilly down song. I was like, this is fucking fire. <laughs> Still and it's so funny because a lot of people that hate that song hate it because they think it doesn't go with the film. And it's, right. like, this random gratuitous song. And it's like, yeah, sure, it's a random song and dance and stuff. But the whole point is for her to be distracted to forget yeah. that she's on a quest to get her baby brother back. Yeah. So why wouldn't this random slap? dude start singing and dancing and throwing their heads around to try to distract her? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, if Jareth was more of a mastermind, there would probably be an enormous amount less singing. Yeah. Like, I mean, he could be plotting instead of, like, choreographing. Can I also sure. say... I love the music in this, but listening Absolutely. to it on like the actual soundtrack as opposed to listening to it in the movie creeps me out a little bit. Really? Why? Why is that? Specifically, <laughs> the dance magic song because you know how in the movie, like Toby the baby reacts, like he's like, and baby says, and the baby makes yeah. noises and stuff. By the way, if you watch this movie with subtitles, it's amazing. It's just like, it's like <laughs> gurgle. <laughs> Like, the closed captions are trying to, like, write what a baby would say. That's awesome. <laughs> but on the actual soundtrack, it's not a baby doing those sounds. It's all David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. but And he does all the voices. Like, so in, in the soundtrack version, he does the voices of the different goblins and stuff. Mm -hmm. But he also does. So it's like David Bowie going, and it's really creepy. <laughs> I don't yeah, like Yeah, that's it. weird. I bet there's an audience for that, though. Like, oh, I'm in sure. this day and age, the internet has taught me is there's like a dark corner for everyone. Definitely. But I bet there's someone who probably listens to that every day. I mean, I still. For the exact reason it scares you. <laughs> it creeps me out, but I still love it. It's so weird. Yeah, I was cooking and my kids were like, I want to hear that song, right? So they could like run around and they don't dance, they just kind of run really fast. Yeah. <laughs> But they like they're like only dance magic dance. Anytime I try, I was like, I want to hear the song where he talks about like I can't live within you. And my kid's like, No. I was like, Fine. So we just listened to dance. But I totally spaced over the fact that that was David Bowie. Oh, so yeah. I remember watching the movie. I'm like, I don't hear a baby sound, right? And like the closed captions just like gurgle. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, it's like oh, oh, <laughs> like that weird Bowie voice. Oh, if I had a time machine, I would love to go back and know what David Bowie actually sounded like as a baby. Yeah. <laughs> you think it's exactly like you would imagine? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Oh, shit. 
All right, Molly, to wrap this thing up, if you were going to give like your closing elevator pitch as to why people, let's assume they got through this whole podcast and had never seen <laughs> Labyrinth. If you were pitching to someone right now why Labyrinth is still amazing and still worth watching right now, how would you summarize this film? Uh, I would summarize it by saying it is a classic fantasy tale uh, about becoming an adult when you don't necessarily want to reach that stage yet <laughs> with amazing Jim Henson characters. Plus you get David Bowie. Plus you get all the dark elements of classic eighties fantasy kid stuff, but you also get David Bowie songs to lighten it up a little bit. I mean, that sounds like a perfect film to me. Yeah. How could you not watch this movie? I it's, it's one of those, we talk a lot on this show about like, what are the movies that are going to get lost, you know, to the sands mm -hmm. of time. I think it's safe to say that Labyrinth will never be that. For sure. I can assume that even kids like, you know, my kids age, right? When they're a little older and can latch onto the story more, I just have to believe that a vast majority of people will be unable to withstand the magic of just walking around the Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. I yeah. find it impossible to believe this is one of those movies that disappears. Yeah. I mean, it's already over 30 years old and people yeah. are still watching it and talking about it. So I don't anticipate that stopping in the next few decades. So. <laughs> oh yeah. And once this podcast comes out, it's going to be gangbusters. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's it uh, for Labyrinth. I hope you guys loved it as much as uh, we did. As always, if you love the show, please leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. I know they're tyrants. I always have to ask, but it really does help out an enormous amount. Uh, you can see the faces that go with these voices on our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. And find us on all your social medias. Tell us what you would like to hear us talk about. And you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. All right, we'll be right back with Molly uh, for Dark Crystal. Molly, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. And again, that is thebloggingbanshee.com. You can find her on Fangoria. She works for Fangoria. <laughs> Where else? Any other projects you got going on? Um, I mean, I have some older stuff on Nightmarish Conjurings and Ghastly Grinning um, and 1428 Elm. Uh, and I also, I mean, this is something that's way far in the future, but I'm also working on a collection of short stories. <laughs> Hell yeah. Awesome. And what, what is your Twitter handle? You're very active on Twitter. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> at Blogging Banshee, is that it? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure just at Blogging Banshee. All right. Well, if you know where to find us on social media, uh, we'll put the word out. Uh, thank you again for joining us. We'll be back soon for Dark Crystal. <laughs>